0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode ten of Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by BioStar US. Find them online at BioStarUS.com.
2: This is Tigger Montague,
1: and this is Patty Ferrucci, and you're listening to Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network.
2: hey patty hey tigs how are you we have a really really fun show today
3: we do we do I'm, aren't they I, all
4: fun ladies come on they
3: are they
2: are i think we say that every time so. <laughs> you say that
4: every time and they're all fun well that's because well we're this is get...
2: especially fun <laughs> yes it is because we are lucky to have ally brock as True. as our guest today
3: and she's a wonderful person and a wonderful rider. And obviously um, a big deal right now um, during
2: our selection trials for the yes. Olympics. Um, do you know that she was the reserve for the U.S. Pan Am dressage team last year? Yes, I did
3: know that. I love to keep I love to keep up with Allie because when I met Allie, um, it was in Florida years and years ago. And she was working for Sue, working for the Cundrans, not the uh-huh. main rider. And um, – just how hard she. I just I loved her as just as a person, and then they ended up moving to Virginia, where I got to see them um, more frequently. And they're just she's just a, a wonderful person. Just she's just a, a normal wonderful person,
2: and and a really good horsewoman. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they had the highest. Had she won the special? She was second in the Grand Prix and the four star last week awesome um yeah with a, a mega score I mean yeah. I think only three horses have scored 74 yeah this year so you know big that those are big numbers
3: they are big numbers indeed they are
4: so we've indeed got uh, partnerships all over the place because the breed of show this time is going to be the Great Pyrenees <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and I and you know I have Your to partner tell you're in flock protection
3: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and I have to tell you it's funny because um the uh the A very good friend of mine here um, who is a massage therapist and a wonderful massage therapist has a great Pyrenees, and that's kind of what made me think of doing the breed. And so I texted her this morning. I said, so tell me a little something. Well, I can't wait to read to you what she wrote. It's just funny um, because she has a wonderful uh, Pyrenees named Tor, and Tor is everything that she wrote in in this text to me. So I'm I'm anxious
2: to talk about them too. Well, then we're going to talk about something that is – is not so fun. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> um, which is glyphosate, which is Roundup. Yeah. Yep.
4: And oh, that's Roundup sensitivity. Oh, yeah. 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 So more partnerships, and then our fi- our coffee clutch, Sometimes, frequently, my favorite part of the show. It looks it like it's be. going to be traveling with pets and horses. Stories. This is going to be yes. fun.
3: I believe a doozy is uh, is what we're going to. I mean, I I, I I I don't even know what to say because I I have I have just I have so many stories that kind of all go around this one particular dog of mine. So. <laughs>
4: Um <clears throat> I have an important question though for you Patty. Yes ma'am. How do you spell doozy?
2: D O O Z Y. Uh, are you
4: sure? God.
2: Yes. Yes, because I just texted it to somebody. Okay, cuz I'm
4: I okay. was I wanted to use it in a show notes the other day and I couldn't figure out how to spell doozy so I I uh I used a So you word. asked
3: me? <laughs> well I asked that you. Is an I, moron. <laughs> I asked
4: you knowing that Tigger would chime in. Thank you. Yes. Okay, well done. Well done. <laughs> yes. Okay, see
3: what goes on behind the scenes to get this this, 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 is this the real radio right show right going. Yes. That's right. And I have a the
4: question t- I have a question for Tigger or actually a story for Tigger. This isn't travel, so I can't go and coffee Clatch. Okay. I've, it was last week, I think, I had emailed you a link to a new pet product that I thought was thought was very clever. Yeah. The doggy socks. I forget what they called them, but it looked like socks yeah. to put on your dog. So that they wouldn't lick wounds on their legs. Right. Well, lo and behold, I needed a pair the other day. <laughs> because... I hate
2: when that happens. I hate when that
4: happens. Our dog, our dog Glory, who is a greyhound, uh, she, her favorite thing to do when she's outdoors with us, when we take her off the leash, is to run at top speed all 35 and a half miles an hour of her and mm-hmm. run back to the house and take a flying leap up onto our deck. Ah, You know, and she takes off about 15 feet away and then lands in a heap at the top. Well, she missed at 35 miles an hour. Oh. Yeah, and took a big old chunk of hide off of her leg. Yeah, it's ugly.
2: She didn't break anything. She
4: didn't break it. I was really worried she had because she she, uh, didn't want to put weight on it for a few minutes. And then the minute I got out the treat box, it's funny how she started she was walking. Fine. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say
3: if I did anything at thirty-five miles an hour, I'd definitely break something. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs>
4: break something. And I and I all I could think of was like, man, I wish I'd ordered those little socks to put on her leg because of course she just wants to lick it all the time. So I had to make yeah. her a homemade sock. Well, there you go. Yeah. So she, now she's wearing. She's sporting a very stylish pair of horseback riding boot socks. Okay. Perfect. That's, that's a picture. Yes. That's a picture I need to yeah. see. Glenn posted it up on his Facebook page. Yes. Oh. Aww, and she's milking it. Let me tell you, I'm poor me. I need a piece of cheese, or I might just die. Yeah, that's what's going on now.
2: Yeah, so you never know when you're going to need socks for your dogs, people. There, you- <laughs> but that's why you 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 let the the cats take at least one sock out of the laundry every time you run it. You know, you always you never come out with the socks being never. in They're pairs again.
3: <laughs> What's so I funny? Because the
2: that, cats, that, yeah, okay. But I save the extra socks just in case. Just in case <laughs> I need to put it on up. the paw of a dog. Well,
3: well I was losing socks ever. for yeah. for years, but I didn't have any cats, <laughs> so I didn't know where they were going.
4: Somebody else. Now cats. I have that excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Your best friend's cats. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, exactly. you should never throw away a sock because socks have so many uses.
2: They do. do. Yeah, you know what? When you have white socks, they make perfect little white paws oh <laughs> for gosh. your Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> and if you
4: if you, if you have a, if you have a chihuahua, all you do is cut the toe out, put four holes in it, slide it across, and you can be a ghost. <laughs> yeah, There you go. Yeah. Just like <laughs> a, just like on Charlie Brown, he can be a little ghost. He
3: can be a little hamster hanger. A little hamster hamster?
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, a hamster would look cute in a sock. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
4: you get, like the little footy okay, socks, okay. you know? Little petties? Absolutely. Oh. <laughs>
2: and so would a ferret. A ferret would look cute.
4: He would have to wear a tube
2: sock. A ferret. Yeah, definitely yeah. a tube, tube sock tube for sock a definitely. ferret. <laughs> yeah.
4: Whew. All right. Um, let's move
3: on, children. And... Uh... <laughs> Let, let's get rolling let's, into let's, our... Uh... Let's call Alice Allie. Yeah, let's do that.
2: Perfect. And we're here with Allie Brock, one of our favorite, favorite riders on the dressage circuit looking for a space on the U.S. Olympic team with her wonderful Stallion Roosevelt. Welcome, Allie. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. One of the things that, that I really admire about you outside of the uh, competition arena is your focus and dedication on the care and preparation of your high-performance horses. So can you talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of feeding plan and care plan and everything that goes into making – Roosevelt was such a happy athlete and it's, it's clear to everybody.
0: Well, we're first off, we're really lucky because he has managed to be a, a performance horse that's been able to be turned out his entire career, which wow. I think is really, really, really significant and part of his daily routine, and I know that's not the case for many of the horses at this level, and um, honestly, that's one of the pieces that I think makes him so happy, is he he gets to go out in his own paddock and roll and be dirty and be a horse. And we've worked very hard to make sure that that's part of his routine every day. Um, I try to feed. Uh, he, he gets hay four times a day. Uh, most of the time, there's usually hay in front of him all the time. Um, at the horse shows, I feed him in a small whole hay net so that he doesn't bed the stall with his hay and, and it even extends it out even more. So he's never just sort of, oh, you know, he's not in a situation where he's standing there with nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. And we've managed to do that in a way he hasn't gotten fat. So I feel very lucky that he can, that I can do that for him. And then I tend to stick to feeding in a program that's a little bit more natural than some of the um, more traditional, you know, bag feeds kind of programs. So he eats oats and he eats alfalfa pellets and he eats Cool Stance. Um, I will say I do give him a little bit of Senior Triple Crown Senior in with that. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, and then basically for supplements, he's he's not. On a whole lot, he's on. He is on locomotion. He is on Um He is on, um, he is on uh, Equine Omega Complete, and uh, we give him Summer Games electrolytes. But that's that's pretty much it. It's really
2: so. Are, do pretty you basic. follow the and same program? Yeah. similarly for the other horses, because you've got some up and coming high performance.
0: Yeah, I try to feed them all very similarly and and I try not to feed a whole lot of grain. Yeah. So they sort of get what they they need, but it's more that they're getting enough fiber in front of them and and then what they need vitamins and minerals and, you know, equine omegas, but not that they're eating tons of concentrated feed. And I don't like I don't feed corn and I don't feed barley and I don't feed any of that stuff that I know is sort of like super,
2: super high carb, crazy Mm -hmm. stuff. So I try to avoid that. if possible. So what Mm -hmm. made you go away from commercial feed to um, a more whole food kind of diet?
0: Uh, I had a really fantastic horse named Schumacher that um, basically was allergic to everything. And... Once you have a horse like that into your life, it you become aware whether you want to or not because whatever you're putting, whatever you're giving him is affecting him and that can be positively or negatively and I could really tell when he had eaten something that wasn't that didn't agree with him and it was it was terrible. You know, with um you know IBS type syndrome, colicky stuff skin condition. Well wow. uh let- lethargic, yeah. I mean he was he ended up having he does have some sort of eosinophilic b- b- disease, but it you have to be extremely careful with with animals that have food allergies, like people or anything else. You can't just
5: oh yeah go buy
0: a bag of feed yeah. and, and think it's gonna work. And I'd never really experienced that before um until him and it made me have to really reconsider what I was doing overall. It's so
3: interesting how one horse can uh, change your perspective
0: on on Yeah, that pe- on was a like really that. Yeah, it was a really painful learning curve and oh, I bet. um that yeah, it was really it was really hard, and I actually called Tigger from England to talk to her about it. I was in one of the time with, yeah. with Kara Kirkland because I was so beside myself with this horse. And you know, you get to this place where you're trying you're trying desperately to do whatever you can to help him, and right. you feel like you just keep running into roadblocks. And um, so, we really modified his diet, which certainly helped you know at least get him stabilized um yeah but that that situation is what made me rethink what i was doing
3: yeah yeah
2: now do you turn out all the all your horses do they all get turned out I, I try to turn out every
0: horse that can handle it and when i say can handle it um like, I've got one horse that goes out in Virginia, but he can't go out in Florida because if yeah. he lays in the sand, he breaks out in yep. hives.
5: Yeah.
0: Like, which is terrible. Um, okay. And then I have another horse that has an old soft tissue injury that we have to be very, very careful about him wheeling and moving and stuff. But anything that can, I think, physically hold up to it. And mentally, absolutely, they go out. And for sure, my horses that don't go out, they're all attached to a human, hand grazing and walking around for 30 minutes a day minimally. So they're getting grass. They're not just left in their boxes and and left alone. And I don't have a hot walker, so any hand walking or anything that that requires them moving around, they are always attached to a human, which I think is a good. Mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's very time consuming and it's a lot of work, but in the end of the day, I think it's better for the animal
5: to be attached
0: to somebody and they can either go down the road or, you know, there's just, they're having interaction instead of just being put in a machine.
2: One thing that has really impressed me, um, watching Roosevelt over the last couple of years is the level of fitness that you have Mm -hmm. with that stallion and stallions are tricky Oh yeah, mm-hmm. with fit with fitness, mm-hmm. as you know, Patty. Yeah, they're liars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are liars. Yeah, they are definitely liars. And I've gone through periods. That horse has gone through periods where I've ridden them twice a day. Yep. Um, you know, he's he's actually right now he's in a really interesting place where I'm not having to do that, um, and I don't know if he's just sort of reached this this place where he's, where he's really sound in his body and he's, and he, he's, you know, they gain fitness too from running through those horse shows. Oh uh-huh. So, um, but he's definitely like in Virginia, um, well, and he goes hacking out in Florida too, but in Virginia, we've got wonderful fields where he can, um, like I can really go out for an hour and I, when he was a young horse, I used to work him out there quite a bit up and down the hills, and I've gotten a bit more careful just because he is valuable and, um, you know, it would be a shame to have him twist an ankle, but he, yeah. he does go out there walking. And and it's probably, I have to tell you, it's the highlight of his, of his week to go out hacking. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing, too, in Virginia where my arena was, Initially, I would have to hack through it about ten minutes to get there, <laughs> and that oh, that will good warm up. Want them? Yeah, and whether you want them fit or not, that's ten in and ten back, and yeah. whatever else walking you do before you pick them up. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to mention too is that that horse doesn't doesn't ever take a like a step of trot before he's walked for minimally twenty minutes.
5: Wow, mm-hmm. and.
0: That's his normal routine, and I try to do minimally 20 minutes on the buckle, and then I walk him usually for another 5 to 10, and then I put him to work in my normal training. I can't do that in the horse shows, but that's, that's his normal routine. So by How the time did you come starts, up with
3: that, Allie? How did you come up with um, that?
0: Because, I mean, a lot of the really top riders will walk their horses for minimally 20 minutes. Sure. But, you know, I, I know that horse really, really, really well. And um, he is a cold-backed horse, which Mm -hmm. might surprise some people, but that's his thing. And so he was never a horse that I could just girth up, walk him out of the barn, and get on without maybe having near-death experience. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better as he's gotten older, and, you know, we have a routine, and now I can walk him out to the barn, but... (laughs) One thing too that I do, which people may or may not have noticed at the horse shows, like I never get on that horse without backing him up a few steps first, yep.
5: mm-hmm.
0: and that's that is technically trotting.
5: Yeah,
0: you know, it it's going backwards. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. It, it can make them quite loose in the back, and it also mm-hmm. for me is just a nice check, you know, to see when where he's he is. Is at mentally and and how mm-hmm. is he accepting them. Of the situation, like is he accepting of me to ask him to yield? And you know, my hope is to whisper at him, and he moves freely backwards. Right. And um, but so cool. I really wait, like in the walking, I, I give the horse the time to look around and be on a loose rein and be relaxed, and make sure he's he's moving freely and sort of gauge where he feels. And I, you know, if you have the time to do it, it, it really is great. To give them twenty
5: minutes. Oh yeah. yeah, you
0: know it's it's great, and it's sort of like for them too. You know, they it would be like us rolling out of bed and then immediately having to be on it. And
3: I say that to so many. It's so funny that you chose those words because I say that to my my students all the time. You can't expect to you know jump out no. of bed and you know go running around the block. Something's going to be left back in your bedroom. You know, most likely, yeah, your leg
0: your, or, yeah or your brain or your brains, and, yeah. You know, because you're just not quite ready to start the day. So that's a little bit how I try to, I try to treat my horses that they learn from a young age that their routine is that they, they have the time to wake up on the buckle. if possible if they're safe enough, that's, that's how I want (laughs) them. I want them to to learn that they can be relaxed with me and then they have to work with me Mm -hmm. and that there's a difference that, that I should be able to turn the energy on and take it away. And and so I, I spend a lot of time doing stuff like that to so that they get to a place where, you know, I mean that horse hit you know, again in the Grumfree Olivia and I were talking about it. They get to that walk tour and they're like, Oh thank God. Yeah. But you know, the horse has he just he he walks very, very well, but that's part of what he does. It's mm. and I think people ignore that a
3: lot. Okay. So I have a question for you. If you, when you're looking sure. for new prospects, um, what is, cause I get asked this a lot because I wrote, I've ridden so many stallions and you mm-hmm. can get some stinkers. You can get some ones mm-hmm. that, you know, you put a lot of work into and they end up being fabulous.
0: So I, um, I actually have quite a few stallions in my barn. Most of them are Spanish stallions. I have had other warm blood stallions. Um, Stallions are, in their own right, you need to approach them a little bit differently. And I want nothing to do with a stallion who isn't work- interested in working with me. Right. And I have no problem with them checking me out to see if I'm legitimate, like if I'm worthy of them listening to mm-hmm. me yes. that I have yep. no problem with. But I, I do not take on, I would never go purchase something. I don't care how magnificent it is and what kind of mover it is if if I felt like it was spending most of its energy against me. Yeah. Because then even so, maybe you get the horse to perform for you, but it's always going to be in this sort of dominating, uh, it's not going to really be teamwork. Yeah. And, you know, they have to respect you, and that is earned. So, again, like, I don't expect them to roll over and just go for me. Right. But, but i don't i don't pick horses that i feel have inherent character flaws it, it would be yeah. like hiring somebody who you know isn't going to do their share of the work and you know it or you know what i mean you, mm-hmm. you, yep. yeah it's a this is a business and and this is a relationship so i try to pick horses whether it's stallions or mares or geldings that um Really are interested in playing the game with
3: me,
2: right? Right. Yes. so I noticed that yeah. that you you keep Roosevelt away from the breeding shed.
0: Yes, we do, um, and mostly because he tends to get very sore in his back and his stifles. Uh. He is absolutely a gentleman to collect. I've collected him multiple times. Um, he was doing a lot of breeding when he was in Sweden as a young horse. He, I mean, he doesn't get affected hormonally. He's one of the most compartmentalized gentlemanly stallions I've ever been around.
1: He, wow.
0: he knows the difference between, you know, all I have to do is put boots on that horse and wrap him up above his knees. And he goes, okay, okay. <laughs> and I know what's wrap. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all, that's all, that's his cue. And yeah. but anything else, no, he knows it's it's not for him. And occasionally, I've had him get a little bit concerned when there are too many naked people around. Like at Devon, that Aussie guy came in with the five naked horses to do his little demo, and and he had just like won the special and came out and was sure this was going to be his reward. You know, that, you know, of course she's going to give me naked people. I'm like, no, they're not for you. So, um, but he's, he's very good. And, but at the same time, too, like I manage him in a way to not cause, I manage all my stallions in a way to not really cause them a whole lot of stress. They get their own paddocks. Um, any manure is picked up. In their own paddocks. I never put one stallion in one paddock and put another stallion in there, or another horse in there, and let them poop, and then put the stallion back in. I have some stallions that are obsessive about the manure cart when you're mucking out their stalls. I don't let them. I don't let them in it. They have to stand at the back of the stall and wait. Um, I, I don't. I let my stallions touch the gelding, and because I think contact is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you hold them away too much, it's, it's worse. Like they just get more weird. Um, so I try to, you know, be fair to him with stuff and, and not put him in a position where he'll get really obsessive. Like if I go to the horse show and I, mean, I know this is very graphic, but if somebody's urinated on the walls and he finds it very interesting, I take, a a soap or a bleach spray and scrub the walls just so that he's not wow. in there obsessing over it. And then he relaxes,
5: mm-hmm. you know?
0: So I I'm willing to go and do the work necessary to provide him in an, in an environment that doesn't trigger him to go nuts, you know? But he's a very friendly horse. Like he's he's a really sweet horse with with the geldings and other horses. He's one of those. Like he'll go to sniff somebody and he'll stick his tongue out mm-hmm. and like touch their nose with it. Like he's he's very friendly. So I mean, he's he's really quite quite a sweet guy.
3: Well That's impressive because a lot of them can be can be so easygoing. I mean, I've had so many that were so easygoing around people, um, and then yeah. you bring other horses around, it's a whole different. Ball of, ball of wax and uh, you know a lot of them were, were spanish stallions that were like that too and it was kind of shocking because everything was fine and then and you can get them working well but it's the same sort of thing you know they get fixated i i have for years gone in with um soap or um i used to do bleach and water just because yep. i didn't want yep. them to smell anything because i would lose them i mean i used to bring yeah. stew to dressage yeah. at uh, devon and um the babies would be going around i was like oh crap i mean it would take me two days i'd have to get there two days early just to be four days in to have them one day good, you know, and yeah, it gets, absolutely. it gets tricky. Yeah. I don't something think people are really, tricky.
4: something you yeah, guys should uh, give a try at the pet product store, the enzyme, enzymatic cleaners they make to clean up, um, pet messes on carpets. There's no, oh, yeah. there's no soap in them. It's just an enzyme that breaks mm. down urine and feces. Oh, wow. Fantastic good. Really no. good stuff. Because once you break yeah. that down, there's no odor left. Unlike a soap, there's going to be residual odor. Oh, that's a really
3: – well, I hated yeah. doing Clorox because I knew it was such a chemical. Yeah, yeah but, you know, nasty stuff. Yeah. But,
4: but all that does is that's a it, very good it idea. simply breaks down yeah. the, the uh, urine or fecal matter, and it also works cool. on the floor of the stall. Oh, oh, and cool. you heard it here at Healthy Critters. At, yeah, Healthy that's right. <laughs> oh, no, it's
1: great. Great, I just wrote it down. I love
4: that stuff. Yeah. I, I just bought three bottles yesterday. Sorry. Cool. <laughs>
1: Along with the is, dog boots. Is there
4: a particular
2: brand you use, Jennifer?
4: Um, the brand I'm using right now is Nature's Miracle.
2: Yeah. Just Nature. because that's what's available.
4: Yeah. But there was another brand that came in a, it was a white bottle with lime green and purple um, labeling on it. That was even better, but I can't find it anymore. Um mm-hmm. The, the trick is, I try to find the one that's enzymatic without the perfumes. They, it's harder to find now than it used to be. And I also use it on my stall floors when they get urine smell. They get stinky yeah. oh, stalls. Yeah. I just spray it on the floor. It works fantastic. And it won't hurt a rubber mat. You can't use wow. a lot of those products on rubber mats, and You're it doesn't
3: a hurt. a plethora them. of information. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: very good. Don't
3: ask me to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell plethora? Tigger, are you a spelling spelling bee champion?
2: No, I, I it was never good at spelling, but if I can see the word in my head I can spell it. Did you put it in there your you computer? Jesus,
4: <laughs> so <laughs>
2: so Allie, I I and Patty and Jennifer, we are rooting for you yes, ma'am, when you are. go to Europe, which will be May and yep. to have a great European tour and um and make the team because yep what you and, and Roosevelt together are so wonderful to watch in the ring. It it's it's true partnership and it's true harmony and you, you don't always see that when you watch fifty some odd Grand Prix yeah. rides at every show in Wellington and then you you two come in and it's like yeah this is this but, is dressage.
3: But you know to well, even thank add, you. to add to that Sorry. too is that, you know, Allie you were just such a wonderful person off the horse yep. and the things that you do and who you are show when you're on the horse. And I think that's why you have um, uh, a bunch of people truly rooting for you. Yeah. Be some effort. Well, you've got a Absolutely. lot of people truly cheering for you and um, thank you. we're excited for you.
2: And for all our thank listeners, you. you can go to Alison Brock find out more about Allie and uh, I'm sure she'll be, Keeping her website updated with um, what's going on when she goes to Europe for the final selection trials and we'll all be woo-wooing here from the States.
5: (laughs) Hi,
6: Hetty. How are you both? Good. How are you? Well, I've been better.
5: <laughs> oh no,
6: why? But things are not going my way right now. You know how that makes me cranky.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what's, what's not, not going, going, your going your way, way? Hetty?
6: Well, first of all, last week there was a horse show and it was very hot. So, we were left in the air conditioned house or tack room for hours. <laughs> Uh-huh. With water and bones, like that was some sort of stop to our torture.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
6: And now it's much nicer weather. And today we had to take kittens to the vet, but they came back.
5: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> so you were thinking I they thought, weren't
6: gonna come back. Right. We took them to the vet. <laughs> right. Where they should and never return them. from. Exactly. Yeah. Why? We didn't meet him again.
2: Gotcha. So, Hetty, I understand that you're about to take a, a, a trip. Oh, yes, we are.
6: Where are you going? Home. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, we're going to go home where it's not hot. <laughs>
2: But you're going there in an unusual way.
6: Well, that's a little up in the air right now because the car shipper turns out to be a maniacal, horrible human being. But it is possible that we are going to be flying. Well, of course, what we'd like to do is fly private. But that is not always possible. Private. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Due to the fact that we are not members of the 1%, we do not have our own jet, <laughs> which has been inconvenient in the past. Okay. <laughs> so, so, have you result, flown before, Hetty? Oh, yes. You might remember last year when the slave decided it would be a fabulous idea to drive to Kentucky because Jim did not have enough people to drive his horses home. Oh! And our car was taken from us and shipped home, and we flew home in a bag from Kentucky. (laughs) Thank you for that fun time, Uncle Jim. (laughs) Remind me to pick on your shoe later. (laughs) Uh. So do you like flying? Well... I mean, in my own jet, yes. (laughs) But commercial is inconvenient. I I cannot tell you that I enjoy it because, first of all, it's incredibly hot in my bag with my sister. Even Mm. though we are, of course, below the required weight and everything, in our bag we fly on American Airlines because that's the one that allows dogs to fly together. And if you think I'm doing it alone, you're wrong. (laughs) So I fly with my sister in a bag. Does she do well with flying? Well, we both do well. Of course, we're very adaptable creatures. But what we would like is our own first class seat. Right.
5: Of course. We could share
6: one. That would be no issue. No problem. We could sit together. Yeah. They allow children to have seats. Yeah, why not little chippies? <laughs> I mean, I figure the slave is allowed to have a seat. She could go under the, the seat like us in a bag, and we could have the seat.
5: <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a good solution. Oh.
6: <laughs> she would fit okay, no problem. I mean, her her head would probably fit. Whatever, she's freakishly large and parts of her might have to be chopped off, but they could be sewn back on when we got there, so that would be no problem at all.
2: So what would be your advice for dogs that are going to be traveling via commercial, not private, planes? Well,
6: first of all, find a slave who's part of the 1% and get a learjet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but if they can't, if if they have to... Okay. You, I must <laughs> you, okay. you know, first of all, you need to have perhaps a little magnesium tablet to keep you calm, and water should be provided at all times. You should have a little bowl, a collapsible bowl is a good thing to have in your traveling case. And then you should have maybe, if you like them, a toy or something. I don't like toys, but I have my sister. And then you should just hunker down for the wait because it, it's a long trip, <laughs> and there's no point in moving around or squeaking or anything because they'll just ignore you. You don't even right. bark on
2: a plane. Oh no,
6: I sleep. Oh, oh, well, that's good.
1: See, I'm having excellent sleeper. So- if you if you had a, a your own Learjet you wouldn't even be
6: awake during the flight so flying commercial really isn't all that bad. Thank you, Patty, for seeing the bright side <laughs> in this otherwise sad and meaningless existence. I will no doubt keep that in mind when I'm shoved under a seat with my <laughs> sister in a bag. Once again, you have brought whole new meanings to light and life. Yes,
1: yeah. yes, yeah. my my mistake
2: well I, I i hope you you have a you have safe travels home either in your car or on a commercial jet, hetty.: Yes well, thank you so much for your best wishes <laughs> and And we will talk to you in our next show, and you can tell us all about it.:
6: Oh, no
2: problem. <laughs> okay, hetty, take care of yourself, fly safely.
4: Now it's time for the breed of the show.
1: So kids, this episode, um, I'm going to talk about the great Pyrenees.
2: Oh, I love it's, great Pyrenees. It,
1: I know. And I'm fairly certain it's a dog that
2: neither one of us is bad. <laughs> no, no, but I would like to.
1: I know. I thought about it. Um, and I, I had thought about this, um, because I have a, um, a friend of mine that, um, who's actually a massage therapist, who's a wonderful massage therapist and she has her dog Tor, and he's always in, um, you know, when you're getting massage, he's just the sweetest calming dog. So when I was doing a little research, I texted her this morning and I said, um, you know, tell me, tell me, you know, what about, what's the great right thing about a great Pyrenees? And her reply was pretty funny. Um, and it's, and doing the research there, they, obviously they're a giant dog for the listeners that don't know what they are. They're a giant herding dog. They are um, very, very gentle. Um, they're docile, but they're a guardian dog and they're not aggressive by nature, but because they are strong willed and confident and they can be very fearless because they're protecting their herd, which, you know, could be in hundreds of acres and whatever, um, But they, you know, as a companion dog, this is what she said. She said they're an awesome dog for some people. They're bred to be loners to stay with their livestock for for protection. (laughs) They don't usually excel at obedience for that reason. It's kind of a joke. It's like herding cats. A recall is just not going to (laughs) happen. So they're they're very, very slow to learn new commands, um, and they can be very stubborn to train. However, they're extraordinarily affectionate and outstanding with kids. Um, like I said, and I, I, you know, guardian dogs, um, again, I, you know, having the greater Swiss mountain dog, which was a guard dog, um, like a guard dog, but also had herd mentality, um, kind of like the Pyrenees, there is this, um, they generally are just fantastic family dogs and they don't need a tremendous amount of exercise because kind of their whole thing is, I mean, they... Their big thing is, is their size and their presence is what, um, what ends up uh, getting, you know, whatever predator is coming towards to go to run away. You know what I mean? Um, they don't go and attack, although they will kill a wolf or they'll kill whatever is coming after them. It's not their go-to thing. Um, and um, they're, like I said, they're just not normally a very aggressive dog. But they're they live the kind of the same large breed thing about ten to twelve years, which always obviously is really hard. Yeah. Um, eighty Eighty five to one hundred and forty pounds. That's a big dog. Whoa. I mean, they're a big dog, and their coat. Um, there's it's like there's it's like there's three coats in one. I have you have you ever been around one? I have Carol Bowers. Oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot about Carol Bowers. That's right. So there's they're like getting through to the skin on that dog is. Nearly impossible, don't you think? I mean, they're they're just their coats are so thick. Um, but again, it's so they can sit out in all different types of weather. They can be cooled by their coat. They can be heated by their coat. Um, you know, uh, they're they're very water resistant dogs. Um, but they're just sort of interesting because I, you know, they um, some of the other guardian breeds I think are um, a little bit more apt for training, but they just said, if you want this dog and you ever think about doing like obedience training, boy, are you barking up the wrong tree. Um, so, I mean, just kind of, again, a really kind of cool dog. Um, they're great with kids, wonderful family dogs, um, and can get along with other animals, other dogs, other cats, as long as they're introduced to the family, like, correctly. but like if you use them as an actual you know, guardian dog, no other animal can be around. I mean they're that's what they do. They are protecting their herd and whatever's in their herd is it. So it's kind of interesting.
2: And hard to keep white. <laughs> it's hard to keep white. right.
1: Oh, and that's the other thing I wanted to mention there and this is funny, I didn't know this. The colors are red, gray, tan, and white.
2: Wow. You know yeah. I've never seen I, uh, a red Pyrenees. I didn't know they
1: came in colors. I know, and that, that was surprising to me because, um, quite honestly, uh, after my friend texted me all that, I was like, I'm not sure what more I need to know about Pyrenees because it just, you know, herding cats. But yeah, they come, and I know, the only thing is, is I did not find um, a picture of the other colors, but the one thing... Um, my you know, Peter has um a, a a lease out in West Texas and it's you know, thousands of acres and there is like a homestead um area where people camp and whatnot. And he said there's a, a short coated Pyrenees that always shows up. I'm like, Oh Peter, there's no short coated Pyrenees. Well of course he found it and it's actually called and I guess I guess they call it Pyrenees. Massive, and it's not really the same dog, but it is a short coat version of kind of the Pyrenees. Um, but again, um, it was white, so kind of interesting. Huh.
2: good to know.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's something. Um, yeah, ha- if you want something like this big, you, you have to get uh, something bigger than probably the car you're driving because <laughs> they are a big dog.
2: Or teach them to drive. <laughs>
1: so what or is- teach
2: them to
5: drive,
1: <laughs> or get a horse trailer. Right? Oh, the only other thing that's interesting about this breed, unlike any others that I've studied so far, is that it's a very old breed and it has not changed much. So, what it was initially bred for, it still is very, very much the same body type. You know how German shepherds have morphed into different, you know, different body styles and whatever, and the um, other breeds as well. But this dog, pretty much what it was when it um, was it came into existence, is what it is now. Size and
5: wow.
1: Yeah, so there
2: you go. Critter Nutrition today is on Roundup sensitivity in horses. A vet tech friend of mine in Texas named Lizzie Meyer alerted me last September to the fact that her horse, Elto had developed what she suspected was a glyphosate sensitivity. Glyphosate is Monsanto's herbicide, whose trade name is Roundup. Elto's symptoms included itchiness, hot spots, edema over the kidneys. He spent a lot of time lying down and chewing on his legs. He constantly rubbed his mane and tail, which she initially suspected was sweet itch. She tried various remedies, including homeopathics and topicals. Nothing worked. Finally, she took the hay away, and within a few days, he was less itchy. She started him on spirulina, uh, Biostar's product Optimum, and some liver detoxifying herbs, and he steadily improved. Then she went in search of information on the local hay she had purchased and discovered that it had been grown with Roundup. Roundup is the most widely used herbicide in the world. It's used on hay, oats, rice, wheat, barley. Corn, beet pulp, soybeans, alfalfa, peas, carrots, sunflower seeds, peppermint, wild rice, mustard, pumpkins, squash, rye, flax, chickpeas, beans, molasses, sweet potatoes, canola, hops, and sugar cane. It is not only used to reduce weeds during the growing season, it is now recommended by its manufacturer, Monsanto, for use as a desiccant prior to harvesting to even out ripening and speed up the drying process. Roundup is also used in some orchards around the base of fruit trees, which studies have shown can decrease the nutritional quality of the fruit while also destroying important soil, flora, and mineralization. According to the U.S. government data, glyphosate use in the U.S. has increased from 49,000 tons in 2002 to 128,000 tons in 2012, or approximately 280 million pounds of glyphosate in 2012. A study from the Arctic University of Norway published June 2014 in Food and Chemistry compared 31 different soybean plants on Iowa farms and compared the accumulation of pesticides and herbicides. The Norwegian scientists found high levels of Roundup on 70% of the genetically engineered soy plants. Now, Monsanto has defined an extreme level of Roundup as being 5.6 milligrams per kilogram of plant weight. But the Norwegian scientists found 9 milligrams of Roundup per kilogram almost double the amount of what Monsanto describes as extreme. As you might expect, the European Union has lower permitted maximum residue levels of glyphosate than the U.S. For example, corn in the European Union cannot exceed one part per million, while in the U.S., corn can be 3.5 parts per million. Sunflower seeds in the European Union cannot exceed 20 parts per million, but in the U.S., 40 parts per million is permitted. Did I just say sunflower seeds? Well, this is another part of the glyphosate story. A month ago, my friend Lizzie, who suspected glyphosate sensitivity in her Mustang Elto, started feeding sunflower seeds. It didn't take long and he had another reaction like the one he'd had with the glyphosate hay. Like many of us, Lizzie hadn't suspected or even guessed that sunflower seeds would be grown with glyphosate. A recent study on glyphosate residue carried out by the Heinrich Bohl Foundation in Germany analyzed glyphosate residue in the urine of 2009 Germans. Glyphosate residues were recorded in 99.6% of the people monitored. 75% of the group displayed levels five times higher than the legal limit of glyphosate in drinking water. This study was the largest of its kind ever carried out. Another study published in February 2016 by the Munich Environmental Institute found glyphosate readings in 14 of Germany's most popular beers, ranging between 0.46 and 29.74 micrograms per liter. The highest reading was 300 times the legal limit of glyphosate in drinking water in Germany. Geneticist Sophia Gutenberger of the Munich Institute said, glyphosate should simply be neither in beer nor in our bodies. Glyphosate kills plants by interfering with a biochemical pathway involved in the synthesis of amino acids. This pathway is not found in humans, however, but the pathway is found in bacteria, and bacteria are critical to the GI tract to synthesize the essential amino acids. By interfering with the biochemistry of bacteria in the GI tract, consumption of glyphosate depletes essential amino acids, and can bind to important minerals like copper and zinc. Authors of a two, 2013 study in the scientific journal Entropy reached an interesting conclusion. Quote, Contrary to the current widely held misconception that glyphosate is res- relatively harmless to humans, The available evidence shows that glyphosate may rather be the most important factor in the development of multiple chronic diseases and conditions that have become prevalent in westernized societies, end quote. A study examining the effect of Roundup on GI tract bacteria of chickens found that the beneficial bacteria, Lactobacillus, Bacillus, Bifidobacterium, and Enterococcus were reduced at low concentrations of glyphosate. However, harmful bacteria, including salmonella, grew successfully exposed to the same levels of glyphosate. A similar study on cattle found that glyphosate was toxic to beneficial bacteria in the GI tract and that glyphosate residues in cattle feed may predispose cattle to infection by clostridium Botulism, the bacteria that causes botulism. So what do we do? Buying organic food ingredients is an alternative as Roundup is not permitted in organically grown food. Finding organic hay or hay that has not been grown with glyphosate is a major challenge. Foods labeled as non-GMO does not mean that those foods are glyphosate free. Research has led me to identify some foods that may help reduce chronic glyphosate sensitivity. These foods include blue-green algae, which is spirulina. It's a nutrient-dense superfood. It's shown to reduce heavy metal poisoning. With its high chlorophyll content, it can bind with toxic metals. And research has shown it can do the same with some carcinogens. Organic oranges and organic tangerines contain limonene and the flavonoids that can induce the enzyme activity of a very specific detoxifying enzyme known as glutathione S-transferase. Sulfur foods. Kale is high in sulfur compounds, which help support aspects of cellular detoxification and healthy oxygen transport. Probiotics. Supplementing with multi-strain active probiotics, particularly the cooling bacteria, meaning the lactobacillus family, ensures a healthy bacterial balance in the GI tract. Bentonite or smectite clays can adsorb and absorb toxins. Because of clay's negative electrical charge, it attracts positively charged toxins while also acting as a sponge, drawing impurities into its internal structure. Biostar's optimum line of multivitamin minerals provides spirulina, whole oranges, and kale. Biostar's rebound supplement provides smectite clay with our bioflora probiotics. The foods that are not grown or harvested currently with glyphosate include chia, coconut meal, coconut oil, hemp seeds, hemp oil, and camelina oil. At present, there is no research on glyphosate sensitivity in equines. It is a theory based on observation and studies done on humans, cattle, mice, and chickens. Several holistic practitioners have contacted me about suspecting glyphosate sensitivity in clients' horses. I'm starting to wonder if glyphosate sensitivity may also play a role in ulcer formation, although I have no proof that it is so. Um, Glyphosate is affecting all of us. And I, I wanted to to talk about Roundup and glyphosate because if you have a horse that has some um, almost looks like allergic reactions, that's not responding to traditional treatment, it may very possibly be a glyphosate sensitivity.
1: So, Tigger, I'm very excited about our coffee clutch. <laughs>
2: Okay. I'm laughing already. She says sheepishly.
1: Well, I know. I, and I'm glad, she says like a uh, great Pyrenees.
4: Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> I'm glad, Jennifer, you're going to chime in and tell a story, too. Um, you know, because every, every time we're doing um, a show, we're always trying to think of the best things to do for Coffee Clutch. And this one just came to me while I was driving, and I think, Tigger, you just immediately started laughing. Yeah, I, it, did. I didn't really discuss anything yet.
5: Kind
2: of like so right we're going to we're going to talk about our funniest traveling experiences with pets and horses. Yeah. Um because it's always a challenge and an adventure uh when you're traveling with uh creatures other than humans. True. So I, I
4: imagine there's some parents out there who would say traveling <laughs> with humans is an adventure too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just throwing that out well, there.
1: I, 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 as a parent, I can say indeed. <laughs> that is a correct statement. Yes. But it's
2: different. That's
5: true. You know it animals
2: are a, a you can't say um you know just sit there and we'll get we'll get to the next exit.
4: You can't give them an iPad.
2: <laughs> no or a movie to watch. No, I can't
4: give them a
2: movie. And you can't do a sing along.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well. That's where I beg to differ. Oh. Uh-oh, yes. and here's Jennifer's story. <laughs> yes, the sing-along. The, yeah. the 16-hour sing-along. Yeah. <laughs> with a dog? Well, when uh, when Glenn and I moved here to Florida, we drove down with everything we owned, and I had the pets. I had Gloria, our greyhound, who slept soundly for 16 hours in the backseat of our car, and I had the cat, affectionately known as the beast. <laughs> That is his name. That's not just what we call him. That really is his name. And he was tucked safely into a kitty carrier for 16 hours. And for 15 of those 16 hours, he meowed continuously. And the, the trip wasn't supposed to take 16 hours, but it went badly. So it, it took 16 hours. And at hour 14, the meowing stopped. And I was a little Uh-oh. concerned. So we pulled off to get some – we didn't, hadn't even pulled off the highway yet. So I uh, I called Glenn on the phone, and I said, Glenn, the cat stopped meowing. And Glenn replied, <laughs> yay! <laughs> and I said, I don't think so. I think he's dead. Because, oh, no! Because <laughs> his little paw was sticking out through the front of the carrier, uh, and I poked the oh, little no. paw. Nothing happened. I poked the paw some more, and still, nothing happened. So we pulled oh, off no. the interstate. I opened up the door and pulled out the carrier and opened up the little carrier door. And there was a limp cat inside, sound asleep. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he had exhausted himself from meowing for 14 hours. That is ridiculous. That is so funny. You know what he did? I woke him up and then he continued to meow the rest of the way. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Anybody could have told you that was going to happen. I was so sure he was dead because I I moved his little paw and nothing. Oh, I bet you were
1: flipped out,
4: completely limp. I'm going, oh my god, I killed the cat. I bet you were so <laughs> flipped out.
1: I I have my I, I traveled when I moved here with my with my cute cats and um, they I had one that meowed if it was twenty four hours at least uh, you know twenty one point. <laughs> like 30 minutes but it it was um, it wasn't as horrible but I've heard so many people have that same story where the cast just go and they go and they go but I've never heard one that collapsed from, <laughs> from exhaustion <laughs> he collapsed
4: from exhaustion is what he did <laughs> oh my gosh that's just um oh. yeah
1: so so Tigger don't you have a very good uh, story with you and our very good friend Carter Batch <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: would you like to share with the group <laughs> So, it was January 1990. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Carter Bass, who is a well-known and respected dressage judge. It was the best of
4: times. Mm-hmm. It,
2: was the worst <laughs> it was the worst of times. We were making our first trip to Florida for the winter in Venice. That's where we met Patty. Yeah. So, um, that was the early days of the Florida circuit. Yeah. So... I'm driving a car and, or a truck and a you know uh, travel trailer that we're going to live in for the winter. She's ta- She's got her two-horse gooseneck with my mare and her mare. We each have a dog. Strangely <laughs> enough, my dog is named Wookiee and her dog is named <laughs> Princess Leia. Even though we didn't know each other. Are you,
6: no, I
1: did not know that.
2: Yes.
5: Okay, I did not I
2: did not know that. Okay. I so that we uh, had arranged to stop in Camden, South Carolina for the night after the first day of driving. And if you'll remember, this was, that fall had been Hurricane Hugo. So we put the horses in these stalls. We go to the hotel, no problem. Get up the next morning, go back and get the horses, feed them load them on the trailer no dogs
5: what I don't know.
2: <laughs> i'm going wookie come <laughs> carter's going Leah, come and then it's in unison <laughs> wookie come Leah, come nothing and all around us are these downed pine trees from the oh i mean it looked like a a war landscape and carter and i are looking at each other like well <laughs> you know what do we do And of course we didn't want to leave them. We didn't we could we 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 would so she said, Oh, I think we better unload the horses. I said, Oh, I think you're right. And and we're just we're just panicked and then I can't
1: even imagine. I can't
0: even imagine.
2: Off in the distance we hear the rustling sound of paws on fallen leaves and trees. And here they come, bounding over these dead trees, Leah and Wookiee. So you'd think that that would have pretty much fixed their, um, their wanderlust. Oh, yeah. no. We get to Naples, unload the horses, set up our little camper. The next morning, we're feeding the horses, and somebody runs down to the barn and said, Tigger, do you have a little black dog? Yes. <laughs> well, it's out on I-75. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was a little bit of a trek. Oh my so that was my adventure traveling with Leah and Wookie.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that, and you know, it's already stressful enough traveling with uh, horses and then to add uh, dogs. Running dogs. Away. Well, my story, I, I, I do have two, um, both of which are humiliating <laughs> <laughs> um, I, of course, am always traveling back and forth to Florida, and I always had my children and my 500 dogs. Stop. And one of our most uh, adorable dogs that we've ever had is my Jack Russell Reuben, who is still with us today that actually lives with my old barn manager at Cumber Farm because he was so senile I didn't think he could make the trip down here and actually live long and I cannot believe he's still around he's got to be 24 years old but Reuben was always a character the Jack Russell good dog Uh, actually came back when you, he he did have a recall, but he also had a mind of his own. (laughs) I was coming back from Florida. I had, I was actually in my car. I wasn't hauling anything. And I had, uh, my greatest was mountain dog. And I think I had one other dog. I don't know who it was. So we're driving along and I was actually driving to Michigan and I was going away. I'd never gone before. So it was a little bit uh, tent, more tense than I normally would because I you know, had my three kids in my car and I think I also had one of Hannah's friends from Florida that was coming to stay with us for a while. So we're cramped in my car. So we're driving along and all of a sudden I hear this panting. I'm like, oh, great. Somebody's got to go to the bathroom. And uh, I was like, which dog is in? They're like, oh, it's Reuben. I was like, okay, do you, you know, do you think he can wait? And they're like, yeah, he seems fine. Well, Ruben, the car was packed. We had children in the car, dogs in the car, luggage in the car. The car was packed. Well, here comes Ruben walking, like pushing up against the, the luggage and the kids along kind of the window of the back seat over the front part of the front seat where Phoebe was sitting onto the dashboard and just stands there and is looking at me. And I'm like, this is weird. Now, I'm in an area that I don't know where I'm going. Well, obviously, nature <laughs> called, if you know what I mean. He just sat there, and he pooped on my dashboard.
4: Remind now, me, don't ever buy a used car from Patty, ever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah
2: uh-huh. And I'm just sitting there. What's the name the, of that enzyme product? <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway. It's called Sell Your Car,
2: car Right Now.
1: And i just, like, guffawed, because this was – and obviously, he had been – stressing about this far more than the kids had let on to, because I didn't hear him. And God bless his little heart. After he did that, he was perfectly fine and got in the back seat
0: and wasn't an
1: issue again. And apparently he did the same thing to my husband as he was driving with horses. I don't know if it was before or after me, but I had mentioned this to Peter and he goes, Oh my gosh, he did the same exact thing to me. I'm like, he did. He was yes, he did. So that's Ruby really we claim to fame. And that was quite an interesting situation. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find
2: them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use.
1: For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests.
2: As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio.
1: Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio
2: Network on thehorseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box, dance with your goat, Swizzle with your snake, howl at the moon,
1: and hang with your answer.